Well, good morning, Southern Oregon, and welcome to The Real Estate Show. I'm Alice Lima, here with my co-worker, Pete Belcastro. We're both brokers at John L. Scott, Southern Oregon, and we just finished our first pandemic uh, Thanksgiving. How how are things in your world, Pete? <laughs> well, it's a very strange Thanksgiving, to be honest, for everybody, but, you know, we're through it and we go on and... You know, we just continue on. The real estate market doesn't sleep, you know, the pandemic or not. As you always say, people still have to move. There's still reasons for this and that, and life goes on. And so we just do it more cautiously with, with masks and, and proper distancing with our clients, and, and it still works. So that's what's going on. Hey, Alice, today we're really excited because uh, George Kramer has been on our show before. If you talk about, you know, historic preservation or historic buildings in our region, George is like the, the top guy. He knows about everything. And we got a chance to kind of ask him, update some of the buildings, you know, that we have going on around the around the region and other things about historic preservation. It's a big issue, and it, it, it here's an opportunity now for investors and, and individuals to purchase these homes. And well, what do you know about them? What what incentives are there? And uh, you know, there's a lot out there, more than we think. And uh, opportunities exist in strange places, and historic preservation may be one that we that we overlook. Well, and it's also um, going to be interesting to hear how the fires impacted the yeah. historic um, preservation movement. Um, and then I know I have a lot of clients that are interested in buying those kind of properties, but they're really concerned about being limited to old windows, no <laughs> air conditioning, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So that's yeah. something we want to talk to George about. Yeah, I just sold a, a historic home on the register in Jacksonville this last month. And we went through those same issues, you know, what can you do? What's, what's nice about it is that there's groups out there to help people uh, work you through these processes of what you can and can't do and help you because no one wants to sit there and say you can't do anything, but what can you do to make it and enhance it better to keep the overall, you're always gonna hear about to keep the historic nature of the, of the building intact or your historic neighborhood intact. And that's really what it's all about. And I can't wait to hear what George has to say because like I say, he's like the, our state's foremost, uh, almost historic preservation expert. Yeah, we're really lucky to have him on. And um, I think it's a good time to be contemplating these sorts of projects in the winter, in the fall, uh, when we're getting ready to see what we want to do with our real estate coming up next year. And yeah, it's going to well, be an interesting well, not- year. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't think we're going to be doing too much. So you're right. Plan now because we are going to come out of all of this and be ready. Like we tell you when you when you purchase a home, be ready to go, be ready. And so same thing here. Well, Pete and Alice will be right back after a message from our sponsor. So please do not touch that dial. Put that turkey leg down and listen to what George Kramer, the historic preservation consultant, has to tell you about your real estate. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back, Southern Oregon, to the Real Estate Show. I am here with Pete Belcastro. We're both brokers at John L. Scott here in Southern Oregon. And uh, here we are, first weekend after Thanksgiving. And we are so excited to have George Kramer here as our guest today of Kramer and Company from Ashland. Uh, George is a historic preservation consultant. And it's going to be great to chat with George here. Welcome, George. Thanks so much for being on the show. My pleasure, Alice. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Pete. And yeah. I hope you had a great holiday. Uh, so, um, 
Why don't you start by telling our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, I get called a, I'm a preservation consultant. I sometimes get called a historian. My background is from the University of Oregon School of Architecture. I have a master's degree in historic preservation. And I work with government, corporate, and private interests all over the Pacific Northwest that have historic buildings, generally. Uh, and are looking to maximize the value of that history as part of their marketing or are complying with federal law or trying to take advantage of the various benefits that are available to historic properties in America. Hey, it's great to have you here, George, first of all. And I think when people look look around or, or who've been here a long time, you know, you're, guy, you're like the guy who uh, is the expert in, in trying to keep buildings from being ripped down as we've seen so many in our communities over the years. So I'm just curious, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about our show about the fires that we've just went through, you know, Phoenix talent and everything. And of course my home was not a historic home by any means, but uh, were there any historic homes, George, that, that were listed on the national or register of historic places or in the state that, that, that burned in Phoenix and talent? I have no idea. Well, of course, downtown talent in Phoenix were hard hit by the Almeida fire, Pete, and there was one building, uh, Hanscom Hall in Talent, that was listed on the National Register. I actually listed it, oh, 20 years ago, and it was completely destroyed. There's nothing left of it. But the larger impact was probably all of the buildings that formed the character of those downtowns that, that nobody had ever bothered to nominate and list on the register, but were clearly important parts of those towns, of those communities' history. And so they weren't what we call designated historic structures, simply because nobody had ever asked the question. So, and many of those were lost. I've, I've fielded phone calls from people that are getting their insurance settlements and looking to rebuild and sort of grappling with how do they keep their historic character and still meet code and, um, and, and build a building that they can use. Mm -hmm. have, the, have the city governments reached out to you or, or anybody else? Are you involved in any of the initial looking, George, of how to rebuild those, those downtown areas, at least to start there? Is, is it being considered? I mean, they are historic towns, actually. They've been around a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do we want to look like every town USA when they're rebuilt? And the answer, hopefully, is going to be no. So are you involved in any of that? Or tell, tell us, update us on that. I, I've gotten some casual inquiries from the mayor uh, of, of, of talent, especially, um, who is completely aware of that concern. And they're sort of looking at how to... Uh, to move forward and rebuild with some some character. And I have actually the, the woman that owns the National Register of Property Building uh, in Talent also owns some other structures there. And she's contacted me about how to proceed, uh, whether she rebuilds the National Register building and is there any support to help her do that? Um, and then just sort of in a larger question, we don't want talent or Phoenix, or at least I don't want to see talent or Phoenix become sort of generica, you know, and just build right. all modern structures. We need to somehow tailor whatever they do reconstruct in a way that the town can be proud and its downtown looks something like what it did before the fire. I hope. Alice, what do you think? 
Well, it's um, so hard again to keep revisiting the the fire situation because as time goes on, there's layers and layers of devastation, you know, in addition to the actual buildings burning down. And I don't think a lot of people were aware um, of the magnitude of what we lost with some of these, these older properties. And part of why we wanted to talk to you today George, is to help people understand that if they do have a home that might be eligible, that there's things that they can do to move forward with that process now while they're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. Uh, it's a planning process. Uh, a lot of work that I do relative to listing properties on the register or renovating or helping people renovate them is because there are advantages to that from a code standpoint, from a financial standpoint. And then, of course, there's just this sort of um, uh, quality of life value that comes back. And I, I'd like to remind the viewers that it's, you know, it's really hard to recreate a historic building. You know, it takes a certain amount of effort, but it's entirely possible. And uh, I was interviewed by another media outlet, and they were talking about the buildings that were lost in talent, and they were referencing the talent depot the historic talent railroad depot. And I had to remind them that uh, the city of talent actually built that depot from scratch about 15 years ago. Tom yeah, yeah. was the architect and I was the restoration consultant. And so it looks like an old building and everybody loves it and glad that it's there, but we made it out of whole cloth within <laughs> the last two decades. So we can do it if we want to. Yeah. Well, it's really good to hear that that's happening in the fire area. Let, let me change change the subject for a bit, if we can. Uh, kind of update us on some of the big buildings that are that you know have been saved uh, right now in our own valley, George. Because I know you work on all these. You've been involved with so many of them. I remember when when I sold the Medford Elks building a few years ago. You were the first person, you know. I told the sellers you got to call. And I know we, you, you came down and we met with each other over that. So tell us of the updates of some of, some of the buildings in downtown Medford, that, the Holly Theater. Where are those things standing right now? And are we going to see them open to the public soon? Well, the Holly, of course, has is, is been going on for quite some time. The, the pandemic is not helping them. We were under construction uh, uh, late last year, just as the pandemic hit. They're wrapping up their fundraising. And as soon as we can get back in there, um, we'll continue that work. I expect it'll probably be 18 months before it's open, but they're on their schedule. The Elks, as you know, Pete, uh, finally found a, a, a new owner, um, somebody who values its history. I understand there are negotiations going on to, to move a new entity into that building that would uh, give it some, some life. And my experience in, in Medford and other cities is that those buildings, once somebody jumps in and makes that investment, people notice them again and they sort of take off. It's, it's a little hard right now because of COVID and the, and the financial impacts. I do have clients, uh, especially outside the Valley, frankly, who are shuttered because of the pandemic, but are in a position where they can address long-term needs because they have this gap in their, in their business plan. And so we're doing interior work that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do while, while people were active. So there's always some way around it. Um, 
other projects, one of the most recent projects I've been getting some press about in Southern Oregon was that the city of Grants Pass elected to list Riverside Park on the National Register, um, just like ah. Lithia Park in Ashland. And Riverside Park, we received a formal notice from the National Park Service at the end of October that Lithia, uh, Riverside Park in Grants Pass is now officially a National Register listed property. So wow. congratulations to Grants Pass. Well, that's great. And it's a perfect place to do that. That's a great park. I mean, it's been a part of Grants Pass. As long as Grants Pass, I think it's been there. Actually, <laughs> it was, that's, it was, that's great. Before it, when it was uh, first developed in 1906, it wasn't part of the city. It was outside the city limits. It was. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Are there any other, any other things coming up in historic buildings that, uh, that you know of that have been applied for, or is that totally slowed down in, in our, in our area? That's pretty much slowed down. I think that there will be a sudden flurry of activity in Phoenix and talent, but that's all still in the planning stages. Yeah, well, that's, that's unfortunate to hear because part of the thing is the advantage. Go ahead, Alice. But no, I was just curious. Sorry, um, we're still working remotely, folks. <laughs> so um, so uh, Pete and I have started tracking the Klamath County uh, just uh, real estate in general. Um, and I just wonder, do you get um, <clears throat> requests for information from that part of our valley? I've worked sporadically in Klamath. I have a client in Lake County right now as well. Uh, Klamath County, uh, they have a wonderful history. Their historic core is really one of the most intact downtowns in Oregon. Um, they have a very unusual history in that during the Great Depression, while most of Oregon struggled, Klamath County boomed. And so they had this great collection of 1930s art deco and art modern architecture that's just lovely. Um, and they have, uh, they have a sort of start and stop approach to how to take advantage of that. I think they're probably in an uptick right now. And hopefully that will continue. Yeah, yeah, it's always great, great to see. I know we, we've got a break coming up here in a, in a minute or so, but I know we, I want to talk to you when we come back about how can people who buy historic homes, you know, because we, Alice, we 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 show them a lot, and um, they go up and down. It seems like in value. I mean, you can walk into a queen home in Ashland, and, and you, it's on the market for you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it doesn't sell, and. Uh, there's lots of reasons for that kind of thing in historic homes, but I want to talk to you about the incentives. Are, are incentives enough right now, or what else, George, is out there? And it's a long answer or anything, but um, is there incentives enough for people to keep doing this for their homes and buildings? Or what do we need to do to change that, to get more of them saved? Um, well, I think that, you know, the incentive benefit in Oregon has diminished over the last 25 years, mostly relative, because it's all tied to property taxes and uh, the primary incentive and the passages of the property tax limitations in Oregon severely reduced that benefit uh, at the same time that values increased and the cost of construction increased. And so, yeah, I think we could always do a better job of incentivizing other states do a better job than Oregon does. Um, but there are still people 
that take advantage of the benefits we have. And so I think it's a balancing act that's worth discussing. The legislature will be looking at this again in the next session. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, we uh, have a break coming up uh, from one of our sponsors. The Real Estate Show is sponsored uh, every week by the um, John L. Scott, which we are very grateful for, uh, the Rogue Valley Association of Realtors, and by Mutual of Omaha Mortgage Guy Giles. So we are very grateful to them uh, since we're in the spirit of gratitude this weekend. And we'll be right back with George Kramer of Kramer and Company in Ashland, historic preservation consultant. And uh, Pete and Alice from John L. Scott will be back shortly. So do not touch that dial. Lots of good information coming up. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back, real estate fans, to the Real Estate Show. I'm Alice Lima here with my cohort, Pete Belcastro. We're both brokers at John L. Scott Southern Oregon. And we have a really interesting and informative conversation going with George Kramer. He is a historic preservation consultant of Kramer and Company in Ashland. And we're talking about some of what happened during the fire. We're also talking about just the impact of historic uh, buildings to our uh, community as well as to property values. And uh, George, during the break, um, you were starting to mention um, just a couple of stories that came to mind while we were chatting in our earlier session. You want to pick that back up? Sure, sure. Happy to, Alice. Um, we were talking about that the, uh, a lot of people approach preservation with a certain amount of fear. They've not done it before. They're nervous. It's frankly difficult to find professional advice uh, to take you through that comfortably. But nobody ever regrets a restoration project, a preservation project. And I was reminded that the Hanscom Hall, which is the National Register listed building in talent that unfortunately burnt in September, uh, was in really bad shape 20 years ago when that owner decided to restore it and put it on the register. Um, I think that the improved value of it was like $7,500 or something like that. And she was spending way, way more to, uh, to bring it back up to code. And we literally had people slow down during the construction process, roll their windows down and, and you know, wag their fingers at us and say, you people are insane. Why are you putting so much money into this dumpy little building? And I always tell the story that, that you know, it's a small town, it's talent, you could recognize the folks. And they came to the ribbon cutting and, and shook her hand and thanked her for making that investment, um, seeing how wonderful it was. And that is true over and over again. The other classic example here in the Valley is the Southern Pacific Railroad Depot in Medford. And when that it was a sad little building. The railroad hadn't taken very good care of it, but somebody has to have the vision and the patience uh, and the capacity, frankly, to make that investment. And the neat thing about preservation projects um, is that there's hardly ever any regret once you get it done. I worked on the Ashton Springs Hotel and we always laughed at uh, I think I opened five or six files for five or six different clients that tried to buy that building uh, and uh, when it was condemned and or shuttered. And I, I came up with this idea that if anybody stepped forward and actually had the ability to cut the ribbon and open the door, they would do just fine. 
And of course the Newman Group came forward and that's exactly what happened. But it took the Newman Group to step forward and have that vision and that patience to make it happen. And we can do that again and again. You just need the right person who approaches it with that mindset. And so the Newman Group was private investment and yes. they stepped up. And um, I think for our listening audience, you can, you can imagine that this is like a giant rehab project. We talk about rehab a lot just for regular properties for resale and um, uh, to create uh, investment property opportunities. But I wonder um, if any of our uh, investors out there would be interested in taking on some historic projects because they could end up being not only uh, quite successful, but also making a real positive impact in our community, especially post-fire, since we did lose some number of buildings. Yeah. Well, and, and um, you know, I work all over the Pacific Northwest, um, and historic restoration has two major tax advantages for investors. There's the special assessment property tax limitation that allows, in a case of uh, the talent project, so her improved value was set at $7,500. She invested probably 100,000 and that improvement was not taxed uh, for property tax for a fixed period of time. In those days, it was 15 years, it's 10 now. Um, and so some people will take advantage of that when they can, it's under our tax system, it's a great deal. For commercial or income producing properties, there's a federal 20% investment tax credit. And I have clients in Portland that, uh, I had a client that bought a literally condemned building that had an active demolition permit on it, <laughs> the Woodlark Hotel, um, right in downtown on the park blocks. They paid, I don't remember, three or $4 million for the building. They invested $70 million they got $14 million in tax credit from the federal government. They got off their income tax obligation and they are paying taxes on a $4 million project for 10 years rather than a $74 million project. That's shocking. It's an incredible benefit. And it, and it does exactly what the government hoped when they created the benefit and that it gives somebody the financial underpinning to buy a building that was literally condemned and bring it back to life and make it a, a viable part of the community. And we've used that the Ashton Springs Hotel was a certified rehabilitation. There are cert rehabs, in, in fact, so was the Medford Depot. Um, and so it's a way for commercial investors, especially to uh, restore a building in a high quality way and get incredible support financially to make that happen. And that's why the, that program has been around uh, the federal level for about 30, 40 years now. Oh, so those are IRS tax credits you're talking about? Those are IRS, okay. And so then does the state of Oregon also give you some tax credit or Jackson County or Josephine County? The, so the only benefit in Oregon at the moment is the special assessment benefit. The preservation, the professional preservation community in Oregon has been working with the legislature in an effort to convert to an investment tax credit model, which is what about 40 of the other states do. 
Um, and the reasons behind that is that it's a more immediate benefit rather than a holding benefit. As an investor or a developer, you can get that credit within a year of completing it rather than having to hold the property for a decade. So it allows you to pull out your, your capital and go on and do it again. Um, wow. And so it's sort, that's sort of a rolling benefit where what we have now works really well for homeowners as opposed to commercial development where somebody buys a house at low value, makes a significant investment to address and put a new roof on it, a new foundation, whatever it needs, and doesn't have to pay the improved value while with the intent that they're going to live there for a decade. That's that's killer. That's not always how commercial development works. Right. So it'd be nice to have those options. So can I ask one more question just because I'm an investor and I'm I'm famous for buying really junky stuff. And my favorite era is 1930 to 1960, like two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never even occurred to me to check into um, doing some kind of historic preservation because I always want full HVAC, a new roof and new windows. <laughs> so how does that work? Or is that even, is that out of the question if you're doing a historic preservation? So we can talk about windows. That's a really complicated question. <laughs> um, uh, I always tell people that, you know, just because you live in a historic house, you still get to have indoor plumbing and microwave and, you know, internet. And, and, and it's more a question of how you do it. Okay. And, and so certainly, yes, you know, I mean, if you're, to use a local example that most people are probably familiar with, Standing Stone Brewing Company in Ashland, which was also, is listed on the register and also is a certified rehabilitation project. Um, we took an old warehouse and made it into a brew pub. We put all of the kitchen in, we put all of the heating and cooling, we structurally upgraded the building so that it was safe for, for uh, residents but we did it in a way that honored the history of the building and met the standard and they could get the credit. Um, So you can do almost, within reason, you can do almost anything to a historic structure, a 30s structure to a 64 structure. How you do it to meet the standard for preservation determines whether you get the credit I usually tell my clients that um, uh, that want new windows or energy efficiency or whatever, that if you think you're gonna run down to Home Depot or some big box store and buy what they have in stock and put them in, that's probably not gonna work. But you can get the right kind of window and put it in and meet your needs and meet the standard a lot of times clients will say, well, that's going to cost me more money than what I could get at Home Depot. And that's true. Yeah. But remember, but yeah. remember, you're getting all these tax incentives to comply. <laughs> and so, and the federal government is going to give you a tax incentive on a commercial building for your new roof or your foundation or whatever that they don't really care about so much. So if your windows cost 25 or 50% more than the other windows, you're still coming out okay. Yeah, I'm running the numbers in my head and I'm just thinking you're still coming out with a huge amount of profit and you're doing something really cool for the neighborhood. Um, And so you were saying that homeowners, you know, regular people that are not commercial, not buying commercial buildings and they're not commercial um, professional investors, how would a regular homeowner go about this process? 
So at the moment, the, the uh, benefit for homeowners is limited to the special assessment benefit. They need to be in a national register listed historic district, or they need to individually list their property on the register. They need, and then they need to apply for this benefit uh, through the state. The state will direct the, 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 the local county taxing authority to establish the value and fix it for a decade. So if you buy a building for $200,000, they'll establish that as the value. You invest 150,000, that is not taxed for 15 years. That is just incredible. That is absolutely incredible. So um, are there age, oh, go ahead, Pete. I can, see, I can see your wheels spinning in your head right now. Yeah, cause I'm almost done with one project. So I might be calling you. I guess you've not heard uh, George talk about these things or, or about what pre historic preservation can be for 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 investors and this kind of thing. That's exactly what the Elks people were looking at and is that kind of thing. So my question is, I know we've got a break coming up, is what happens, uh, uh, George, when the assessment runs out? And the reason I, I, I asked that is that I recently sold a, a historic home on the National Register in Jacksonville. And the, 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 the 15 years is long expired. And so can the new owner have an opportunity to kind of reignite that, open it up to the public again once a year? Or what is that status? Because uh, I'm curious to see a lot of people are in that way, especially when they buy a historic home today, that that assessment period that, that has already been used. So hold that thought there. And, and I'm, I'm curious as to what you'll answer when we come back with that. It's a big issue with people buying Alice when they buy a historic home. Do they still get that benefit, even though that's already been up and out? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So we're chatting with George Kramer today. He's a historic preservation consultant, Kramer and Company uh, from Ashland. And we're learning tons and tons about what you can do and not do with your historic buildings. And so we're coming up on a break. Please do not touch that dial. Alice and Pete will be right back on the Real Estate Show. Well, welcome back, Southern Oregon, to the Real Estate Show. I'm Alice Lima here with Pete Belcastro. We're both brokers at John L. Scott, Southern Oregon. And we are just learning so much from George Kramer. He's a historic preservation consultant of Kramer and Company in Ashland. And we were just talking about how private investors, whether you're a homeowner doing an uh, individual um, residential purchase uh, for a historic property and or a commercial building or commercial grade, multifamily, which I did not realize that some of these tax credits, which are immense, can be applied to a fourplex. Is that what you were saying, George? Income producing uh, residential property of four units or more qualify for the federal benefit. And are there that's, Oh, I'm sorry. It, go ahead. <laughs> but that's why you're getting, you're getting crazy on the thing. That's why they have, we have developed a number of old hotels that have turned into re, uh, apartments the downtown Medford, the Grand Hotel, the Wanima Hotel in Klamath Falls, you can go on and on because of those incentives for those commercial properties. And that's what that's why they do it. And so we, we could have more of it. There's certainly more buildings. And what, what's the building, George, the corner of downtown Medford, you know, the one that was just preserved there, but no one's in it, uh, Maine and Riverside there. Do you know? Maine and Anyway, that one that's just been hey th that's the reason they do the incentive thing with that but my question to you is george is if, if i buy a historic home that has been 
already used this 15-year tax incentive. I don't have to open it to the public anymore. That seems to me that it, it, it lessens the value of those homes for a homeowner because they don't have to do anything with it and say, I own a historic home. Well, so the 15-year the benefit in the required open house are the old program that sunset some time ago. The current program is a 10-year benefit with no requirement for an open house. The legislature changed that. And that is a transferable benefit within the 10-year window. So if you renovate a house and you apply for this benefit, Pete, and then you sell it to Alice in year three, Alice gets seven years of benefit. In year 10 or year 11, sorry, it comes off the program and it's taxed just like anything else. And so the, the, the reason the government invests and creates these benefits is to encourage the investment and encourage the renovation. And that is a transferable benefit up to 10 years. In year 11, you're just like everybody else. So when you, okay, so, make sure, so when you buy a historic home, it's on the national registers, all those things, there are really, it's already used its, its time. You're just buying really the historic home. You're, okay. buying, you're buying the fruits of someone else's investment, correct. Okay. I, had a, uh, I had a lot of commercial clients that in year 16, when they got their tax bill, would uh -huh. sort of have a mild panic attack. And it's not terribly uncommon to have people say, okay, now I'm selling it because I don't want to have to, to, to do that. You get a big get a big tax increase. You definitely get, well, you, without naming names, I know of projects in Medford that were, their tax, property taxes were established at, at like 100, 150,000 and they came back onto the rolls at 10 or 12 million. Oh no. Wow. <laughs> and, and so, and well, so, when, when I have clients that call me, it's like, yes, but you got this great benefit for that period. Um, so the, the benefit is for the period only that you're renovating of the, of the project. That's correct. really good to know, you know, as the, you do this. The okay. government's interest, we all know the government doesn't do things out of the goodness of its heart. The, the, the government's interest is to encourage the investment and for the greater benefit of society. And that happens because they, they've encouraged an investor to make that investment in a building. The building value will ultimately go up, you know, and then the ripple effect of that investment on all the surrounding properties is positive for all of us that, that get to enjoy them mm -hmm. and, and, and shop in them or live in them. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a long-term a a long program that, that um, ultimately. Yeah. George, there's a group called Restore Oregon that I know you're familiar with, and, and I am too, for a lot of different things that they really are kind of the statewide kind of clearing house. Is that what they are now for historic uh, preservation, historic buildings? I know they have a top 10 list of most endangered buildings in Oregon and things like that. So they are a good resource, aren't they, for this, for investors or, or yeah, they're an excellent resource. Restore Oregon is the statewide nonprofit advocacy group for historic preservation. I am an advisor to, to Restore Oregon. Um, and they uh, provide resources to assist private property owners asking these questions. 
They are the lead entity typically that approaches the legislature about how to improve or continue the program so that we can do more of this work. And they're just a really good first stop for anybody that's scratching their heads about what to do with a historic property. They've got really good online information and uh, are happy to answer your questions. Yeah, and Alice, they helped uh, the, the owners of the Elks Lodge, they gave them $5,000 grant to help develop the plan. So yes. there is some help like that for investors that uh, you may not know about that's there and people are taking advantage of it. So that's really a, a wonderful program. Restore Oregon is, is the name of it. Restore, RestoreOregon.org, I believe, is the web, right. web address. Yeah, and they have a really good track record in Southern Oregon. They also are involved with the Butte Creek Mill restoration. They were involved with the Holly. They, um, they try to pick out key buildings that are important and use them as examples for everybody else. Yeah. So I just had uh, a general question. Is there an age limit or uh, like how, how do you know if you have a potentially historic building? The, the, the rule of thumb, Alice, is 50 years or older for a building to be considered historic. So in your 1930 to 1964 window, you're covered, you're good. Uh, 50 years is, is uh, not all, it's not as long ago as it used to be. No, sir, it's not. In fact, we think it's quite recent. So, um, so 50 years and it does not, does it have to be in a historic, um, an historic section of town where the city's given that overlay? Buildings can be in designated historic districts for property owners, that's by far the easiest path. Individual properties outside of historic districts can also be nominated and listed on the National Register. The threshold here for almost everything is that you have to be on the National Register. Okay. Okay. And you want to gather as much information about that property as you can. You just don't, you just can't say, I've got an old property here. I submitted, you have to have, you got to do some research on, on what the, who the yeah. property's name, who owned it and all right. that kind of thing as well. And, and most importantly, you ultimately have to get the National Park Service to agree with you. <laughs> with you, yeah. <laughs> Is that hard to do? Um, it's part of how I make my living. I don't okay. know. <laughs> well, George, uh, we appreciate your time so much. And we're going to have to have you back because we're about out of time. George Kramer of Kramer and Company in Ashland. He's a historic preservation consulta consultant. George, how do people get a hold of you real quick? What's your phone number and website? Um, most people just send me email to george at preserveoregon.com is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay, and that's Kramer, K-R-A-M-E-R, -E George Kramer, Kramer and Company. So um, Pete and Alice say, hope you had a fabulous, fabulous Thanksgiving. We appreciate George Kramer being on with us, a historic preservation consultant. Uh, this show will also air again tomorrow at 6 p.m. So enjoy your leftovers, be safe, and we will see you again next week. Bye, everybody.